All right, Acts 16, 1 through 10. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered him, uh, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. As they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, and when they had come upon Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into the Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So up next, we've got uh, Kenny. He was here last week up on the stage with his family, uh, and he will be preaching for us today. Kenny grew up in New York City's Chinatown, where he played lots of basketball and de developed some street smarts. After completing a term with the US Army Reserve and undergraduate studies at SUNY Buffalo, Kenny returned to Lower Manhattan to help immigrant youth and their families adjust to life in the Big Apple. Kenny and his wife, spent a whole year in Beijing in 2004-2005, and from 2005 to 2008, Kenny came out here to work on his book smarts. Uh, he was at Gordon-Conwell and received a Master's of Divinity, and while he was here at CBC, he actually served as an intern, small group leader, Karis Fellowship Coordinator, and pre-marriage counselor. So Kenny's been, you know, thoroughly in CBC. He unfortunately returned to NYC as a pastor, uh, where he worked with his home church until 2014, and then he started working at NYU as a part of the chaplaincy team. Uh, he is committed to helping international students and their families. Uh, Kenny still enjoys playing basketball, though he admits that his quickness is now in getting tired as opposed to juking people. And lastly, Kenny enjoys savory dishes of all cultures, strategic board games, and being mischievous with or to their kids, I'm not sure. <laughs> but anyways, please give a nice warm round of applause to Kenny. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, if you're wondering where Andrew got that um, bio, it's actually on the NYU website uh, under Protestant uh, Spiritual Life Advisors. Uh, it's a little outdated because I have officially retired from playing basketball. Um, I tore my calf muscle and then six months later I started playing again and my Achilles got frayed. And so when Kevin Durant ruptured his Achilles, I said there's no one paying me 30 million dollars to recover and therefore I retired. Uh, it really is so wonderful to be with you all uh, today, um, being able to come back after three years and to reconnect with so many of you. Uh, it's been a wonderful week for us. 
Um, also, thank you for the worship team. Uh, th- those songs minister to me, um, and praying that it ministers to you here in person as well as on live stream. Um, uh, giving, given the opportunity to serve you today through uh, a word of encouragement through the word uh, is uh, icing on the cake. Uh, over the past two decades, you have welcomed me into your family. You have welcomed our family into yours, inviting us to your homes, um, and then also blessing us with your friendship, um, and then also through prayer and financial support uh, in my work, in our work now, because Cindy is now a chaplain at NYU also, uh, in our work with international students at NYU. And just a brief connection, we work with the organization International Students Incorporated, and we are affiliate chaplains at NYU. Uh, so we have been blessed indeed uh, by our God through you. Uh, I've been looking forward to coming in person to share with you. Uh, the past few years have certainly been challenging, disruptive, uh, different, and uh, perhaps discouraging, and even disappointing. Uh, if any of these adjectives trigger you, uh, you are not alone. Has life been different from what you expected? Not just because of a pandemic, but life throughout the years, right? Maybe we had a specific plan for our lives, but it hasn't gone our way. Uh, Sometimes we think there are linear steps, right? From in professional uh, life, from higher education to getting a a good job and then career advancement. Uh, Or in the world of relationships, from uh, dating to marriage uh, to having a family. But life has not been how we dreamt it up. And pardon me using a more kind of extreme language, perhaps some of us, we feel like we're kind of living through a rude awakening. And then we're stuck there in discontent, uh, in disappointment. And maybe no one really knows about that except us. Today's message is first a word of encouragement, a word of comfort, because as Christians, we believe that there is a faithful and loving God leading us according to his plan. And the Bible tells us that God's plans for us are good, though sometimes we struggle to believe it. For those of us who are trying to follow God's plan, even when the ground shakes beneath us, causing irreversible destruction, May you be reminded that God is our firm foundation, that he is leading us according to his good plan, even if we can't see it right now. Now, this passage also serves as a challenge for those who in some ways have quietly stopped following God. Last week, Pastor Jeff talked about rage quitting, right? So this is more quiet quitting. Maybe we've quietly quit on God. Perhaps you started this road full of excitement, uh, but after a couple years or a couple decades, we've experienced quite a few detours, and we head back home. Right? Like John Mark in the previous chapter, God has not given up on you. And if that's you, may you see anew God's roadmap for your life. So today we'll take a few strides, uh, tracking together Paul's path at the onset of his second missionary journey. We'll see how God got in the way of Paul's plans and why that was a good thing. Hopefully, we'll learn why God may get in our way 
as unpleasant as the experience seems. And then maybe even begin to, one, uh, to appreciate why he may interrupt our plans. Because he's not finished with us. So uh, what we've come to label as Paul's second missionary journey might not have started out that way. Right? Paul's original plan was twofold. Um, and Pastor Jeff spoke about that last week. First, in chapter 15, we're told that Paul wanted to visit the places where they preached the word on his first missionary journey and see how they were doing. So they went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening those churches. Now, Paul's second objective was to go from town to town delivering the decision reached by the apostles and elders in the Jerusalem council. In chapter 15, they decided that Gentile believers did not need to be circumcised. So Paul wanted these new believers throughout the eastern region to know of this very important decision. Believe in Jesus, no circumcision required. Now, it's not breaking news today, but back then it was probably just as groundbreaking as Gentiles receiving the Holy Spirit. Paul's original plan had two objectives, to strengthen the churches in the east and to deliver this new policy. Verse 5 says uh, that as a result, the churches were strengthened in their faith and more people were added to the faith. Paul did what he set out to do and his plan was mission accomplished. And many of us, we admire Paul for that, right? Ambitious and able to execute. This leads us to our passage today. With the completion of his original objectives, Paul's, teams began, Paul's team began to travel to other regions to preach the gospel. Somewhere along the way, this trip to strengthen the churches became a new missions venture. But surprisingly, it was off to a bumpy start. Like the detours in our lives, they had their share of puzzling roadblocks. You know, it's difficult to understand the geography during biblical times, right? Kind of like genealogies, we kind of skim through it. But let me take a moment to help unpack these geographical markers in this passage. Because having a working knowledge of these landmarks will help us really see what was happening. So uh, during seminary, Cindy and I loved studying in Jerusalem. I think, uh, next slide, please. And here's a picture of us. Uh, yep where David killed Goliath. And so even though I was in the military, you know, the running joke is if you take away all the muscles and uh, you would have this phrase in Cantonese called Seijing Da Ba Hao. wonder how many of you guys know Cantonese. It basically means all of you is dead except for your mouth because all you do is talk. Okay, okay. Uh, don't get hung up on these familiar names. Just try to get a sense of direction of what was happening to Paul and his team. So let's look at that map. Uh, as we said, Paul went through Syria and Cilicia, basically on the eastern side, right? strengthening the churches. Then he went through Derby, Lystra, and other towns, delivering the message made at the Jerusalem Council. It's a little, far, a little more further uh, west. And as you can see previously, all that work was uh, in the east side, right, during the first missionary journey. Now, verses 6 and 7 tell us that they traveled throughout the region of Phrygia, but the Holy Spirit kept them from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Basically, God prevented them from going south. So they kept going, and they, at the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them there either. So just as they weren't allowed to head south, 
they were denied passage going north. So they kept going until they reached the port city of Troas. Now, where is Troas? Right? Uh, perhaps these geographical, this quick geographical lesson wasn't too exciting, but look at the direction of their travel. They started east, couldn't go south, couldn't go north, and kept going west. Paul, perhaps like many of us, was a person that knew what he wanted to do and where he wanted to go. Paul was also ambitious in serving God, tremendously dedicated, exceptionally capable. But the Bible tells us that God got in the way, intentionally and repeatedly. They wanted to go south, God didn't allow it. They wanted to go north, God didn't allow that either. God had interrupted their plans, and they winded up in Troas. Now, God interrupted their plan even as they were trying to do God's work. Going west probably wasn't, well, actually it wasn't their original plan, right? The same God that led him, uh, I should say them, on their first missionary journey, the same God that strengthened the churches he planted, now got in the way, and they ended up in Troas. Now that you have a better grasp of the geography, what did Troas represent? Troas was as far as they could go on foot. It was also the westernmost point of Asia Minor. Paul's team was detoured to a dead end. It was literally the end of the road. Have you ever felt that you were in some sort of Troas in your life? Troas of your career, the Troas of relationships, family, romance, otherwise. Even the Troas of serving God. Now, it doesn't say that Paul and his team were frustrated, but I think we might get that sense that, or experience that we've been frustrated, we've been disappointed. At the very least, we've been puzzled. What are you doing, God? Have you ever felt that even as you try to serve God, that in some ways he's let you down? Why would God lead us to a dead end? My family's plan was to move to China in 2011 as lifelong uh, missionaries. When I was 14 at a church retreat, just like the ones you guys came back from, um, God had called me to commit my life to missions. I didn't really know what that meant. I just felt the Holy Spirit say, raise your hand, and I did. And then they said, come up on stage or to the front, and I was like, oh, man, I got duped. But I went up. Uh, After undergrad, uh, I was trying to figure out, God, what do you want me to do? Like, how am I going to get there? And then God spoke to me. Actually, he asked me a question, kind of rhetorical. He said, Kenny, I've had you grow up in New York City's Chinatown. You tell people that I've have a burden for people in China. What have you done for my people in Chinatown? And I was silent. That led me to work at Chinese Christian Herald Crusades. And so four years, I I, uh, ministered to immigrant youth and their families. And I've learned personally, at least for me, before global missions, get involved in local missions. Right here in our neighborhood, people we see regularly, they need Jesus too. Uh, In 2004, my wife and I moved to Beijing for a year teaching English. Uh, As well, I worked part-time at the Beijing International Christian Fellowship, BICF, uh, in youth ministry. Um, 
And if you've never been there, in Beijing, there's this international church that every Sunday there are over 60 nations represented in the worship service. We hear a lot about what's going on in East Asia, but can you imagine people from different, 60 different nations gather together every Sunday to praise God and to pray for that country? Uh, at the end of our time there, uh, we visited Tibet, and uh, I have a whole long story about my experience there, um, but I'll just summarize it this way. Uh, God gave us a clearer direction for our future ministry, and it was to transform generations of idolaters into generations of true worshipers. It's not just about individuals coming to faith, not even about families, but one generation to the next, and even before we'll come to know Jesus. Uh, that's where, after that, that's where our lives intersected when we went to Gordon-Conwell. Um, and as I've said, such deep community was formed here that uh, every year after uh, we graduate, we still came up uh, to visit you uh, because we have lifelong friends here. And you've really made us feel like we're a family. Um, so uh, at the end of our time in seminary, my home church uh, in Chinatown contacted me and said, uh, we have the resources and we have the intentions to send you out as our first homegrown missionary. Would you accept? And this is where I became a Christian. This is where I got my call to, to full-time missions. So I say, of course, what a privilege. It's wonderful to have this full cycle discipleship and then to become a disciple maker. Uh, and so the, term, the agreement was that we would go back to New York City for two years and then I wanted to partner, not just with my home church, but also with OMF, to send us out to Western China and uh, work in an orphanage. That's really what we wanted to do. So that was 2009, and so we were supposed to be sent out in 2011, and we're excited for that. Um, in 2010, um, when Cindy was pregnant with our second child, uh, results indicated that um, our daughter would like, most likely have Down syndrome. Um, and so as career missionaries and as parents, this was very unwelcomed news. Two weeks before Mei Mei was born, uh, Cindy and I were leading a, a short-term missions trip to a youth camp uh, for Camp Harold. And uh, there God spoke to me in one of those prayer nights. Uh, and he said, Kenny, the path ahead of you will be very difficult but I will be with you, and it will be for my glory. And I really needed that word of comfort. But still, I did not know how challenging it would become. In September 2010, uh, Michaela, Maymay, uh, Michaela actually is a Hebrew word, which means who is like God. Um, Maymay was born with Down syndrome, which wasn't really a surprise. What was surprising was she was also born with hearing loss. Um, and I was, I was devastated. Um, but even with all her challenges and health issues, we still research how do we move to East Asia and serve there. Uh, but eventually we realized that that would not be realistic, at least not yet. Uh, so we knew that God was redirecting us. Now at the time, this redirection felt more like a derailment. Even though I was in dire need of comfort, what was forefront of my mind was to figure out why this was happening, right? Ten years from CCHC to one year in Asia to 
seminary to missionary externship, 10 years of preparation, four months before we were supposed to be sent out, not even did not finish, we did not start. So I spoke to, with my former pastor. Uh, pastor John um, shared that he couldn't relate to what I was going through. And I really appreciated that honesty. He didn't try to pretend he knew. But he did give me a word of instruction. He said, God stopped you from going to China. You need to figure out why. It kind of hit me. I was like, oh, whoa. Um, yeah, but I appreciate that. That question would take two years before it was answered. During that time, my heart was so broken, I, became to, I began to feel numb. You know, alive but not truly living led to a dead end. And can you relate to this, this kind of feeling internally that you're alive but you're not really living the life you wanted or more importantly, living the life God wants for you? And then worse, kind of stuck there. How do you get out of that rut? Uh, let's look at verses 9 and 10. While Paul was in Troas, at the end of the road, he had a vision of a man begging him to go to Macedonia and help them. After Paul saw this vision, they immediately set sail for Macedonia. What kind of occurred to me is that vision, is probably they were praying, they were seeking God, and God revealed himself and his direction. Now through this vision known as a Macedonian call, the God who got in Paul's way revealed himself as a God who had been leading them all along. The author's main point is that God prohibited, prohibited Paul's plan because God had other plans for them. This divine leading is what we, the author wants us to clearly see. God was calling them to preach the word in Macedonia. That was his plan. But God didn't make that clear to them right away. Paul and his team had to trust that God was at work even when they were detoured, even when they didn't see what God was doing, at least not yet. As Troas represented the end of the road, what, what, what did Macedonia represent? Right? This vision of the Macedonian call is one of the key turning points in the history of early missions. And Pastor Jeff's going to preach about this in the second half of the book of Acts. Because of this event, the gospel, which began in Jerusalem, Acts 1-8, right? Um, Jerusalem began to be, go to the, ends of the uh, ends of the earth at that time, right? It would reach Greece. This was all part of God's plan to send his witnesses to make disciples in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Now, due to God's interruption, Paul would plant churches in Philippi, Thessalonica, and Corinth. Such significant work took place there that the letters Paul wrote to those churches he founded would eventually be recognized as God's inspired word in the New Testament, words that we read today. The dead-end city of Troas became the strategic gateway to a new frontier. Macedonia was the next geographical landmark towards the ends of the earth. Because of God's leading and Paul's obedience, Paul and his team the gospel reached Europe. And in less than 40 years, God brought the gospel from its birthplace in Jerusalem to the rest of the Western world. In fact, in major breakthroughs, it occurs through God's guidance despite insurmountable, insurmountable obstacles. 
So that's why we pray when there are setbacks. We pray for God to make a way, and he does. So where is God leading you? Coming out of this pandemic, how is God leading you? You know, we've kind of been in this insular, protected shell. What's God leading you to do next? Even if it seems like every path you have taken has led to a dead end so far. Even if we've quietly quit on God. A few months after Maymay was born, I had a really low moment. Uh, one night after everyone had gone to sleep in our 500-square-foot apartment, uh, I brought a pillow with me into the bathroom, and I screamed in it until I lost my voice. Out of breath, I faintly whispered to God, take your calling back. And God gently replied, Kenny, keep going. And for two years, that's all I heard. And I wrestled with God, asking for clarity, asking for guidance, asking for strength. And then in 2013, uh, this was through Facebook Messenger, I was messaging a former pastor's wife. Actually, my former pastor's wife. He's still a pastor. You know what I mean. Uh, And I was sharing with him that I was really struggling as a father, as a minister, really trying to make sense of what was happening, and I, I couldn't see it. I was stuck. And this was her response. She typed, uh, I so feel for you in your struggle with your baby, uh, skipping further below. I can see God chose a special family to bless Maymay with. You and Cindy uh, make such great parents to Maymay and Joey. And Joey, you make a great brother to your sister. Uh, their smiles and antics are the signs of loving parents at work. And then she wrote, This is your mission to show the world how to handle brokenness. Uh, Later that year, I I did not want to go to this, but the the youth group wanted to go to a worship conference. So by default, I had to chaperone. When the song Oceans uh, was played, I felt the presence of God deeply. It was deeply needed. Actually, up to that point, my... I experienced so much heartache that my heart shut down. And this is kind of, those two years, this is what I felt. I felt like I was in the ocean and there was a cliff. Maybe not too deep in, there was a cliff. One side was a cliff. On the other side, actually when you pick the song, It Is Well, right, by Horatio Spafford. On the other side, I, I felt these rolling billows, these waves crashing down on me. These waves would knock me under and knock me into the cliff. And I'd roll around, holding my breath, and I'd come back up just enough time for another breath until the next wave did the same thing over and over again. And so my heart shut down because it's better to feel numb than to experience such heartache. Um, But during that bridge of the song, God said to me, Kenny, I'm teaching you how to walk on water. I'm teaching you how to walk on water. Those two events woke me up like a person coming out of a coma. Right? And my heart opened again, and at that point, I began to feel hope 
as well as heartache together, but alive. And so with this inspiration, uh, I began to explore missions opportunities in New York City, which quickly led me to consider international student ministry. At the end of 2013, I, I had to decide between two organizations, one that was very well known on campus ministry, uh, and the other one not so much in our circles, even though they are the leading organization that ministers to international students. So I sought counsel from my youth pastor, uh, who is not my youth pastor anymore, um, Rick Carey. I tried to sound very mature, right? You, we know how to do that, right? Oh, can you please pray for me? I'm trying to discern God's will. But really, I was just a kid again asking uh, someone that I respected to make a decision for me. And Rick, pastor Rick said something I wasn't expecting to hear. That's why I like talking to pastors. I learned so much from them. Um, and Pastor Rick said something that I believe was a word from God. He said, Kenny, whatever God calls you to do next is not second best. What God calls you to in the near future is not a consolation prize. And that hit me. That wasn't the question I asked him. That wasn't the answer that I was expecting. But I needed to hear that. I listened, I respected what he said because I respected him, but I didn't feel that way because it felt like second best, which is another word of saying first loser. Okay, anyway, those are the things I say to my son. Um, so I brought that to God. I said to God, you've called me to transform idolaters, generations of idolaters into generations of true worshipers. How can I complete this mission if you keep me in New York City? If you don't let me go, how am I going to do what you've called me to do? I asked God a month for a month every day. I wish I could tell you I was humble about it, but I was really wrestling with God. And you know, sometimes we're taught to be very um, maybe passive, maybe meek, and we should be, but God can handle our raw emotions. And if if you don't believe it, just read the book of Psalms. So I ask God for one month every day, how can I transform generations of idolaters into generations of true worshipers if I'm not there? And after a month, he answered my question. He said, Kenny, can't you see that I've sent the nations to America, New York City, Boston, California, Texas, all over this country? If you're willing, well, he said a few other things, you know, that they're students today, but they're leaders tomorrow. Um, but if you're willing, because I did ask him to take his calling back. So if you're willing, I will use the people that you minister to to complete the mission I gave you. That was wonderful. Now, just a brief side note, I believe that God speaks to us today, each of us, if we know him. You know, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. God speaks to us through worship. God speaks to us through his word. God speaks to us through community. You can hear God speak to you. Now, audibly, you know, if you haven't experienced it, you might not. Um, I don't usually hear God speak to me audibly. Um, but I believe you, if you seek him with an open heart, he will reveal himself to you. 
Uh, so that word of God gave me so much peace and even excitement for what was to come. Where once I saw the end of the world, the end of the road, God had laid down new tracks according to his good plan. Where once all I knew was Troas, I felt stuck there, God had given me a glimpse of Macedonia. And I can testify that God's word has proven true. It has been difficult. It has been challenging. And amazingly, God has given me a wonderful wife. Um, thank God for that. I have another story about how God said to me that, don't worry, I'll provide the best person for you in his, time, in my, in his own time. And it was true. Um, I'll tell you that next time. Um, okay. Um, but it has been for his glory. And he has been with me and continues to be with me um, because he is good. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, once again, this passage is first a word of comfort to you. Before Macedonia, Paul was, and his team, were, they were first led to Troas. And the way God leads us is often quite similar. Without Troas, there may not be a Macedonia, but there is. If you're in Troas, may God meet with you and encourage you. Though there have been detours, and it may seem that God has led you to a dead end, and even if you've kind of quietly quit on him, he continues to lead you. The Holy Spirit continues to direct your steps. Will you remain faithful to his call? Will you once again trust him with all your heart? As he was leading Paul, he has been leading my family according to his plan. He will not let you down. Don't give up on yourself because God hasn't given up on you. Now, if you're not a follower of God, not a follower of Jesus, I would say God is also trying to lead you. Right? But first and foremost, it's about having a relationship with Jesus. Before we know him as the Lord who leads, we come to know him as a savior who saves. So if that's you, I would ask the person who invited you uh, here to uh, why they believe in Jesus and ask them how you can have a relationship with him. Now, if you just kind of strolled in or you're online, you know, ask one of the greeters or ask the uh, live stream coordinator. And I just want to say, there's a reason why when they greet you, they smile. Hopefully. Oh, actually, if they're wearing a mask, they're smiling underneath. <laughs> now, as I conclude, uh, I want to give space for God to meet with you personally. Perhaps for God to speak to you. Right? God's word brings hope and courage. And it's not just small words printed on a thick book. Uh, um, God's word brings hope to those who are truly open to what God is trying to say. And he brings courage and encouragement to continue to follow him. So uh, I want to lead you on a really quick, short meditation. Um, even if you've been distant with God, even if you've kind of quietly quit, even if your heart has been closed, or you're struggling with sin and you're so ashamed, or if you don't really believe in Jesus yet, will you for a moment try to listen to a loving God who desires to connect with you. So I'll read four Bible verses. I'll read it twice for your meditation. Recommend that you perhaps close your eyes or, um, yeah, and open your heart. And before, between each verse, I'll 
give you a moment to meditate on that. And afterwards, I'll pray to close our time. So let's do that now. Holy Spirit, would you meet with us now? We want to believe you, the all-powerful God, who knows us, created us, and cares for us. You not only have a great love for the world, you have a deep, personal love for each of us. And we need you. Romans 8, 28. Know this, that God works for the good of those who love him, according to his purpose. Know this, God works for the good of those who love him, according to his purpose. Philippians 1.6, be sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Be sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will complete it, to com- will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Proverbs 3, 5, 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Proverbs 3, 5, 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. And lastly, Jeremiah 29, 11 and 14. God says, I know the plan I have for you. Plans for good and not for evil. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Call to me. Come and pray to me. I will hear you. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you. God says, I know the plan I have for you. Plans for good and not for evil. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So call to me. Come and pray to me, and I will hear you. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to us, not just here, but every day of our lives. We need you. We don't need religion. We need you, your presence, your grace, your direction. Encourage us, Lord, for your plans are good and for your glory. You are worthy of it. Teach us how to support one another and journey together so that we may complete the task you've given us to become like you and to let others know about you. 
God, for some of us, we, we need to experience you in a very deep way. It's been a long time. Come, Jesus, come. Continue to meet with us through worship, through struggling with you. Show us your goodness. Make a way. All for your glory and our good. We pray all this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.